This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Here's how to prevent overcorrecting your children. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The example, the loving example of living the Word in front of them. Well, you can see why he started with husbands and wives first then. Because he's trying to establish that example. As the result of the Holy Spirit influence in and upon your life. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now he's going to change subjects. Talking about servants and masters. I'm going to read down through verse 9 at all uh, at one shot. And then we'll make some comments about them. Servants be obedient to them that are your masters. Now the word servants is the word slave. Now, a lot of people are going to take this and say, well, this is talking about employers and employees and so forth. And there are some principles that you can apply there. But this is not talking about employers and employees. It's talking about slaves and slave owners. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Notice he identifies that if a slave is owned as property, the person that owns them, their master is only their master according to the flesh. Not their spirit, the real them. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as under Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters, slave owners... Do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening. Knowing that your master also is in heaven, you have one too. Your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respective persons with him. Now, as I said, there are some principles here that you can apply to, to employers and employees. Certainly, we all have a tendency to work harder when we think the boss is looking. Wouldn't it make sense that following... The direction of the Holy Ghost would cause you to, to walk in love. Well, that's where Paul started in chapter 4. Walk in love in everything. Now it brings us to chapter 6, verse 10, where Paul's been saving what might be called the best for last. Finally, my brethren. Finally, my brethren. Finally, my brethren. Now let me ask you a question. Seeing the construction of these letters, Chapters 1, 2, and 3 talking about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Our position in Christ because of the sacrifice that he's made and the work of God through the Holy Ghost in us today. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 talking about how we live out our Christian life before the world. Exercising authority, utilizing the resurrection power of the Lord, and so forth. Do you think Paul had some kind of outline in his mind or in his thinking at least in what he wanted or what he knew that the Holy Ghost wanted him to write to the churches well he would have had to this couldn't have been accidental so when Paul says in chapter 6 verse 10 finally my brethren how can it mean anything other than this is the final point that I've been saved until last in some ways, we could say this is the most important point of the Bible, or this letter. 
He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, how in the world could that be more important than living a spirit-filled life? How is it possible? And why is Paul just, well, if, and if that's not the case, if this isn't the most important point that he's saved till last, then how is it that Paul has placed it in the, in the position that it is? It would seem to me like finishing up with relationship issues, husbands, wives, children, parents, slaves and slave owners, slaves and masters, that would have been a good place for him to conclude with, it's so important for us all to walk in love and fulfill the plan of God for our lives. But he doesn't. He starts talking about one final point, and that is spiritual strength before the world. Remember, this is the whole letter is about what the church is supposed to look like in the world. How is the church supposed to look to the world? Strong. Spirit-filled. But strong. Now, everything that he's going to talk about relative to being strong in the Lord. Well, maybe I ought to read another couple of verses. Finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Another translation says his mighty power. What power is it talking about? It's talking about the power that he prayed that we would understand that was identified as the resurrection power of Jesus. Be strong in the Lord and in his resurrection power. Well, then that must be possible. Now, notice it doesn't say one word about you other than making a determination to accept the resurrection power or the strength of God in your life. It doesn't say be strong in yourself. It says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, folks, if you, if you accept what the Bible is saying and understand the possibility thereof, it's impossible for you to be weak. Yet weakness seems to be the mantra of the modern-day church. Well, we just feel so weak. We just feel so unworthy. We just feel so helpless. How is that possible if you're strong in the Lord's resurrection power? He's talking about a determination. And everything that he refers to is a, uh, that makes up the armor of God that he commands us to put on in the next verse, everything that makes up that armor of God has to do with understanding or knowledge of the word. So when he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, in the resurrection power of the Lord, he's literally identifying, not only through this letter, but through the, what he wrote to the Corinthians. Matter of fact, why don't you turn with me to first to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Give you a little head start to find that. Everything that he says here about strength, about the church looking strong and being strong with or in front of the world has to do with knowledge of God's word. It's the only thing that makes you strong. That's why we place such an emphasis on the teaching of the word here because it's the only way you'll ever be strong. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says in verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, a lot of people read that far and they say, oh, yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to pull down the devil's strongholds. And it always has something to do with prayer. 
usually some kind of extreme or goofy type of prayer. But notice what he says. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's not where our fight is. Well, a high place or climbing a mountain or climbing up into the tallest building in town or renting an airplane or something like that, that's all part of the flesh, isn't it? Well, why would we use that for a weapon? Paul said that's not our weapon. He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty through God, mighty through God, mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, where are those strongholds? Notice verse 5, casting down imaginations. Folks, the greatest stronghold the devil's ever going to have in your life is going to be between your ears. The devil's stronghold is wrong thinking. That's why Paul talks about being strong in the Lord and the power of his might and refers to knowledge of the word. What the knowledge of the word will do to equip you and protect you. Because Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done for you to be strong and for you to be victorious. There's nothing left to do on your part except to understand and accept what he has done and put it in practice in your life. If that were not true, then the work of Jesus was not complete. If it still takes something on your part or my part, if some work on on somebody's part or some act of God down the road in the future for things to be complete, then what in the world was Jesus doing? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he die such a horrible death? Why did he go into the, the belly of the earth and spoil principalities and powers if that was not a complete work? And furthermore, what's he sitting down for at the right hand of God if the work's not finished? Well, he's sitting down because the work is finished. So what is there left for us to do? Understand, gain knowledge and understanding of what's been done. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Folks, spiritual strength is a matter of thinking right according to the word. That's why Paul wrote to the, to the Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's talking about an operation of the mind. So in other words, he's saying don't think like the world thinks, but be transformed. Notice where the transformation comes. The transformation comes by you changing your thoughts to renew your mind to what the word says. Then you shall prove or experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, it goes on to say. And that was Romans 12 too. In other words, he's saying the only way you're going to experience the will of God in your life and the only way you're going to experience what Jesus has already purchased and accomplished for you in your life, in other words, beyond the page of the book, but make it real in your life, is to change your thinking. Join us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service with Pastor Mike Webb. Christmas is a special time here at Foothill Family Church. I want to especially invite you to our Christmas Eve candlelight service. We have a chance to celebrate when Jesus came to the earth to be our Savior. Come join us this Christmas Eve. Again, that's the Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6 p.m. December 24th at Foothill Family Church.
For more information, go to www.mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. It's the first thing God expects of you and calls for you to do after you get saved. Renew your mind. Change your thinking. Back to Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the word wiles means treachery or tricking. I'm sorry, it means trickery or treachery. But the root of the word means traveling over. That used to bug me. How do you get treachery or trickery from a root word that means traveling over? But it's really simple. Paul is saying there's one and only one road or way that the devil operates. These wiles, these schemes are all rooted in one thing. Now think about what Paul knows about the devil's schemes or strategies. Well, he knows from, uh, from the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, he knows that the devil tries to tear up family relationships. How? Through wrong thinking. He knows that the devil tries to tear up churches through wrong doctrine. How? That wrong doctrine brings about wrong thinking on the part of the believers. Everything that Paul ran into, persecution against him, what's the cause? Wrong thinking on the part of the Jews. The Roman government taking a position against them. Why? Wrong thinking on the part of Christianity and his, plan, his role in it. Every work that Paul addresses, every problem that exists in the church that Paul writes to correct comes down to one thing, and that is wrong or deceptive thinking. Paul's lived this. He's seen it in every church, every work that he's ever started. He sees people turn away from him. He writes to Timothy some two or three years later than this letter was written and says that all those in Asia, including the church at Ephesus, all those in Asia have turned away from me. Why? Because they didn't allow themselves or determine in themselves that they were going to be strong in the Lord. They allowed the persecution to turn them away into wrong thinking. Every work the devil has starts the same place. Everybody that's ever fallen into adultery started with wrong thinking. Every person that's ever fallen into any and every sin starts the same way, and that's wrong thinking. If you can become strong in your thinking, your way of thinking according to God's word, you can avoid the things that trip up the unsaved. A strong Christian is a strong-minded Christian. That's why the Bible talks so much about wisdom and understanding. Why? Because wisdom and understanding will keep you from, from taking hold of deceptive thoughts. You won't accept them. So he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the strategies, the treachery, the treachery of the devil, the road that the devil travels. Now, folks, if you understand this, if you understand there's one and only one way that the devil works. Now, Paul uses a military example. He does that a lot. He, he expands it in this last letter that he writes to the church concerning the armor of God more so than any other letter that he wrote. But in an earlier letter, he wrote to the Thessalonians, one of the first letters that were written to the churches. He wrote to the Thessalonians about putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
Now he expands it, possibly because he's got two years in Rome where his daily companion is a Roman soldier. He's looking at this armor. It's a friendly house arrest type thing. So the guy's not worried about getting too close to Paul or anything like that. I'm sure Paul was witnessing to him every day. I'm sure Paul was doing what he could to show kindness to the guy, striking up conversation. He might have even been asking him, what do you use this for? How does this work? Who knows? But he expands a military concept where the church is concerned, more so than any other letter that he wrote. Now, let me ask you, from a military standpoint, if you know your enemy has only one way to come out and attack you, what are you going to do? You're going to fortify that one way, that one area. You're not worried about fortifying other areas because there's only one way that he operates and the other areas don't count. It would be a waste of resources. So what is he saying? He's saying, get ready in this area by putting on the whole armor of God. He's going to tell you what to understand about God's work through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus And the impact that it should have in your thinking. He's going to tell you, here's what a transformed mind looks like. So that you're able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. Not just one or two. Not guard yourself up from one of ten. But you'll be able to stand against all of the devil's strategies. And it all has to do with the mind. The strong church is a strong-minded church. A strong believer is a strong-minded believer. Now, that's beyond some people's comprehension or willing to accept. And the Bible even talks about comforting the feeble-minded. I think some people are just feeble-minded, whether of necessity or whether of choice. I know most of the church is feeble-minded by choice, through an ignorant choice, but nevertheless a choice. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. Now, folks, you need to understand something. If the instruction that Paul is giving us does not equip us to overcome and, and, and endure, outlast any and every attack of the devil, then God lied to us. That's how absolute this is. For, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Now, remember that I told you earlier in this series that this is a companion letter to the, to the letter that he wrote to Colossi, the Colossians. Paul writes to the Colossians to address a problem. And part of the problem there, we don't know if it's the whole thing, but part of the problem that he addresses is that there's wrong doctrine that's taken hold in the church at Colossae. Uh, Coloss- the city of Colossae is about 40 miles away from Ephesus. There's a, there's a circle of seven churches, a trade route of seven churches in what we know of today as Turkey. Beside one of, those church, one of those cities where there was a church, and those are the seven churches that Jesus addresses uh, his comments to in the book of Revelation, the first few chapters of the book of Revelation. It was along the trade route, and Jesus takes them one by one. If you were traveling down the place and went around the circle to all seven cities, he takes them each in order. Next to one of the, or nearby one of these uh, cities that are referred to is the town of Colossae. It was a small church. It was a small place. 
But in this small town of Colossae and in the church, there was doctrine that had taken hold where somebody had come in there teaching how that there were evil spirits in operation in the world and not only with believing Jesus, they needed to pay homage, usually sacrifice, but pay attention to and, and some sort of worship to these evil spirits that have control in the earth and are controlling the sun and the moon and some of the elements of the world and, and so forth. And Paul goes to, to great lengths to say, don't allow yourself to be pulled into this voluntary worship of evil spirits. Here, Paul talks about the church's authority over the devil in chapters 1, 2, and 3. And in chapter 6, he talks about the exercise of that authority. He doesn't talk about the, the wrong doctrine that they may or may not be aware of. Don't know if it's spread to Ephesus or not. But he doesn't refer to it. He just says that if you'll use the armor, the weapons, spiritual weapons that God has given you, you won't have to worry about any of the evil spirits that are in operation in the world. Now, folks, this is instructive for us because anytime you hear teaching about the devil, you need to ask yourself, why is the church or certain preachers, certain churches, whoever it might be, why is the church teaching about the devil when Paul didn't? And why didn't he? I mean, here it tells us that Paul knows a lot about the evil spirits in operation. He tells us about principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high and heavenly places. How does he know those things are there? He's talking about ranks. He's talking about a progressive order of rank in the devil's kingdom. How does he know? He never told us anything else about it. He may have referred briefly to it, but this is the most comprehensive list that we have of how the devil operates. And the devil's operating in principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places, all to enforce or to attack in one area. And that's your mind. To bring wrong thoughts. To bring wrong thoughts. So why should we bother with the devil's levels of operation? It all comes down to the same thing. In other words, whether you know about spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places or not, the answer is the same. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So why waste mental energy trying to understand the devil? Jesus didn't. Paul didn't. And if they're not our examples, who would be? Let me read these verses again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, his resurrection power. Please understand the operation of his resurrection power in your life comes from you understanding through your knowledge and acceptance of the word what he's going to tell you about the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People aren't your problem ever. Now, the devil may be operating through people, but they're still not your problem. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. Let me close by reading verse 13. Wherefore, for this cause... Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. William's translation says when evil attacks you. And having done all to stand, stand. What's the devil's work against you in your life? Trying to move you off of the truth of God's word. That's it. How does he do that? Through wrong and deceptive thoughts. He may stir up or bring uh, circumstances against you. But the circumstances are all designed to do one thing, and that is to make you think either the word's not true or God's abandoned you. Neither of those can ever be possible. Now, there may be times, I know I've experienced certain times, where I've looked at the circumstances and said, well, I don't understand this at all. But I know God's word's true. So I don't bother with the things I don't know. I stick with the things I do know. And that's working like a charm for me. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. We'll talk about the armor of God next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the equipping that your word brings to us to be able to stand against all of the devil's attacks. Thank you, Father, that we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we've been joined together with you and nothing in heaven, hell, or earth can ever change that. You said, Lord, that you'd never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that it's impossible for us to be left alone. We thank you, Father, that it's impossible for any work of the devil to be sufficient to take us out of your hand or out of your care. We thank you that it's impossible for any attack of the devil to be greater than the provision and the victory that Jesus has already obtained for us. Thank you, Lord, that we are strong in you and in the power of your might, your resurrection power, that power that defeated the enemy when you exercised it against him, that same power defeats the enemy when we exercise it against him now thank you father we cannot fail we cannot go under because we're standing on your word and your word can never fail we love you lord open our eyes to who we are in christ more than ever before so that this year is our best and finest year spiritually because we know that as we put you first and growing in the knowledge of your word, that'll change the circumstances in our lives. Thank you, Father, for increasing us more and more, us and our children, so that we experience days of heaven on earth, not just for our own comfort, but so that we can be an example to the world and bring in the precious fruit of the earth. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name, everybody that agrees with that, say amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that one way to defeat the enemy is to put on the whole armor of God. That means to take the blessings of salvation that Jesus accomplished for us and apply each and every part of that to our lives. Take the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Thanks for watching today. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Is that you have divine, superhuman, supernatural, miraculous resurrection power and strength available to you. For what purpose? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.